0: taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network.
1: afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
2: Hello and welcome to Authentic Living, sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. And I'm your host, Andrea Matthews. We've been exploring with some of the spiritual giants of today what it means to wake up to the authentic self and to live authentically. You know, authenticity does not usually occur in a one-time epiphany. Most often, we have to coax it along by learning to think differently about some ancient core beliefs we've held to for dear life. We have to learn to recognize, listen to, and honor the voice of the authentic self. One way to do that is to work with a life coach. And today, we're interviewing life coach and author Sally Redfield. Sally has published a CD and an audio book which are based on her husband, James James Redfield's work, The Celestine Prophecy Series, called The Celestine Meditations and The Meditations on the Tenth Insight. She's also written two books, each with an accompanying CD called Creating a Life of Joy, about which we'll be talking to her today, and The Joy of Meditating. She was the executive producer of the movie The Celestine Prophecy and is co-founder with her husband of the Global Prayer Project, about which much more will be said. Sally began life coaching as an outgrowth of her own journey to authenticity. As a life coach, she helps her clients to focus on their truest passions and follow them. Sally, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you got to t- come and talk with us today. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me as well. Oh, oh, we're delighted to have you. <laughs> How did you come to this particular life endeavor? That's the first thing I want to understand.
3: You mean really talking about joy or more about
2: promoting the Celestine Prophecy? Uh, Just the life endeavor
3: of the life coach, mostly. Oh, okay. I actually really wanted to connect more with people who came to the lectures that James and I did. And I kept being frustrated. You know, we would have just moments in, say, the line when pe- we signed books or talked with people, and I thought, there's got to be a way, and I do not want to do traditional therapy in grad school. So I decided to actually study life coaching. It was sort of an idea, am I really, is this really going to be right? And then I got into the study, and I was coached during that time and then coaching during that time, and I just fell in love with it. I get to be a witness to people's lives and watch them change and grow and I don't know, I'm just a little mother that way. I like to see that in people. Mhm. And so what you're saying
2: is that frustration can sometimes be a cue to kind of tune in and, and listen and
3: find out what comes next. It sure can. And I know sometimes when I get really frustrated about something, maybe I'm not moving ahead as quickly as I want to, I've learned to just stop and say, okay, you know what, I really think on the other side of this frustration there will be great wisdom, greater wisdom, I should say, and a new direction that might point towards something I'm supposed to do with my life. And I do have to tell you, 100% of the time, after I have moved through that frustration, I really do get greater wisdom. Mm -hmm. So it can be a tool. It also can be Instead of something that we dread happening in our lives, it can be a sign that there's something good to come. Right. And I know you've written so much about meditation. So how does meditation factor into that? It's a time to really get quiet and begin to listen to what we really want in life, understand more who we really are. And, and also, I think, as we practice meditation, we begin to... Oh, Lord, I think that the best way to say it is we just really begin to close the gap between this dimension and maybe the angelic dimension, Mm -hmm. the afterlife dimension. So not only are we connecting with who we are and what we want, we're actually connecting with those who've gone before us and have greater wisdom. Okay, so it's a real place where we can receive guidance. It really is. That's my experience and. That's what people tell me when they read books on meditation, my books, other books, and actually practice meditation.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So
2: as in doing life coaching, how do you go about encouraging meditation, or do you?
3: Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. It really, really depends upon the person. Mm-hmm. I love working with those who are in transition. Maybe they're discovering more about themselves or they're wanting a deeper spiritual connection. So if the time is right, yes, yeah, sometimes we'll even do the meditation toward the end of the session. But more and more it's about letting people learn to listen to themselves. And if meditation is part of that, great. If not, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's lots of ways to get there. Yeah. So creating
2: a life of joy and uh, your other book, The Joy of Meditating, joy is a central focus, it seems, for you. So tell me about how that came to be, and how you
3: understand joy. I know that when I'm happiest, I feel the most joyful, or maybe even humorous. I kind of think joy and humor go along. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how that's something that I really, really love, and how does one get more of that in his or her life. So it became a quest of mine to work with people, to talk with people about that, and to really explore true happiness, true joy, um, you know, it's just a journey, and I have to say it's an ongoing thing, more and more. It's like, okay, I know this level of joy, and I really think by being spiritually connected, I can have even greater access to joy. So let's understand that as well. Mm-hmm. Sort of sort of uh,
2: excavating for more and more of joy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if uh, a person were to come to see you in ther- in, um, as a life coach, and you... Um, help them with obstacles and trying to overcome those obstacles. What kind of obstacles do you see with regard to attainment of joy?
3: Some of it's a belief system. Perhaps it's looking at how someone was raised or what they learned about life early on. Sometimes we can deal with that, and if it's really ingrained, then that's the time I actually refer them to a therapist. Mm -hmm. Maybe they do need to go back and look at that. But if it's more like just a quick, okay, this is what I used to believe, and now how do I want to shift that belief? Is it possible for me to be more than I think I am? And then we begin to look at how, what, how joy would come into their lives. What does that mean to a particular person? And then how do we access that together, or how do I encourage him or her to access that?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So that is just sort of a redefinition of who they are. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderful. So so if um, a, a belief system that you might work with, would that include, say, something like feeling guilty about, you know, going after joy, that, that maybe we shouldn't be doing that because, look, there's so much suffering on the planet? Would that be something that
4: you
3: see? Definitely. And I could also take a particular person and I would say, okay, if you... If you feel in order to have joy, then somehow the suffering needs to be lessened in the world. Then what's your role in that? Do you do that locally? Do you donate? Do you tithe? Do you get involved with children? What's your role? And how can that bring you joy, greater joy, to actually be giving and helping and solving issues on the planet? So you actually make use of that guilt. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I just try to listen to it. What's it about? Is it something that we just need to say, Ah, oh, that's an old way of thinking? Or is it an intuition that, okay, maybe my role in the world is to help in this particular way? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So I know you've had obstacles
2: in your own life to overcome, and I'm sure that's given you some insight into how to help other people. Would you be
3: willing to share some of that
2: with our audience?
3: Sure. You know what? May I just use an example that happened last night? Sure. Um, I was, after James and I led the Global Prayer Project, which I know we'll speak about later, I was in the kitchen preparing dinner, and I was eating some nuts, and I guess I just didn't chew properly. <laughs> so when I swallowed it, it actually got stuck in my throat right around the base of the tongue and the thyroid area, which I didn't even know that was possible. And I just couldn't release it, couldn't release it, Call the emergency room, and they just said, eat bread, which didn't help. You know, go to a specialist today. So I really struggled with it. I was a little afraid. I didn't really know what was going on. So I just kind of turned it over, went to sleep, got up this morning. I still felt it. And I just said, you know what, I'm just, I, I accept this. I think that there's a reason for this. This is such a freak accident. That there's something I have to learn from this, and I am willing. And at that moment, it dislodged, and I was able to swallow it. Um, So something about me learning just to accept even more who I am, where I am, and and there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful. I will certainly chew more carefully next about that. I
2: bet bet you will. (laughs) You know, I I I find that sort of gap between the present and the future is an interesting place for a lot of the people that I work with, and I'm sure it is for you as well, that there's some confusion uh, about living in the present, living in the now, and also working toward the future at the same time. Can you Mm -hmm. speak to that a little Mm -hmm.
4: bit?
3: Yeah, I do think a lot of us deal with that. That is something... When you want to create in your own life, you want more of this or that, or you want more for other people, and yet the reality is where we are today. Mm -hmm. I think the number one thing I do with clients is I say, it's okay to want what's in the future. As long as that's your intuition, as long as that's benefiting you and others if necessary, it's okay to want that. And it's also okay to hold that vision while enjoying what's around you right now to be kind to people around you, to let people, if they need to pull out in front of you, pull out in front of you without wanting to run them over. You know, Being in the now, but also being pulled toward a very positive future. Because chances are when we get to that positive future, we're going to want to create another positive future. Mm-hmm. So it is a balance of just simply appreciating the moment, however that looks to you while also thinking in the future. Mm-hmm. A both-and kind of way of view,
2: viewing it instead of either-or. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we so much want to be in the either-or that we don't, we don't, um, or maybe not want to is the right term. Maybe we just believe that we should be in the either-or instead of being in the both-and. And I think that that is a real rounded-out sort of way of looking at it. It seems a little paradoxical for us, though, when we're, when we're in that old set of my mindset that says it's got to be either or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So you would say that life coaching helps people to become more authentic.
3: I really do. I think part of that is taking that quest, talking it out with someone about what a particular person wants and wants to become. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could certainly certainly say more about that later. Okay. Okay,
2: well, you've been listening to the conversation with Sally Redfield on the topic of authenticity and life coaching, and we'll be back in just a moment.
0: Awakened media for a transforming world, Seventh Wave Network.
1: Are you ready to crash through illusion, break through your personal barriers, and slay the internal nemesis of your dark side? TNT is here to awaken your soul and unravel the hidden messages of your unconscious mind. Discover your hidden treasure map and use TNT to find the tools you need to become your own demolition tech. Collapse the old and choose the new. It's dynamite awareness with TNT. Tracy Irons and Tracy McMahon. Every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave network and visit us at www.dynamiteawareness.com.
5: I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology. A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology
1: are you in need of a cosmic kick? Are you frustrated with your ability to move forward in all areas of your life and spiritual growth? Adrienne Wentworth is a master at getting you unstuck. A fearless and grounded healer and teacher, Adrian covers subjects that few will touch and reveals the missing keys to your success. Be uplifted by the healing energies that flow through her as she shares her profound wisdom and helps you shift past your obstacles to create the life you long for. Listen to Cosmic Kick with Adrian Wentworth every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Network.
0: Listening on a higher dimension. 7th Wave Network.
2: Okay, we're back with Authentic Living. I'm Andrea Matthews, your host, and we're continuing our conversation with Sally Redfield. Sally, before the break, you were talking about how life coaching helps
3: people to become more authentic. Can we continue with that? Well, I think authenticity is really about understanding who we are and living as honestly as possible without hurting other people. Mm-hmm. You're living a very purpose-filled life. And I think life coaching helps with looking at who we are, as much as we know, what is our intuition about what we want to be doing or what we feel is the next best step in our lives. And then it's about getting in touch with the synchronicities that lead us forward. So to me, that's sort of how I define living an authentic life, being real being connected to inner self, and then moving forward through synchronicity, intuition. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: Can you define synchronicity? I know some people have different... Can you define synchronicity as to how it works in
2: the way you frame it? Uh,
3: I find it is when things begin to flow and that we're asking a question and we really need an answer, and then just by seeming accident something happens where either on the television we get an answer or someone calls us, I mean, the perfect example is we'll sort of feel like we're we're thinking about someone and we'll call that person and the person picks up the phone and says, you know, I was just thinking about you.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So it's sort of the way intuition flows around the world and connects us all.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, you can sort of count on that as an external confirmation of your direction. Yes, definitely.
3: Okay. And it also moves us forward. Let's say that someone's wanting to start a business, doesn't know how to do a business plan, takes a flight on his other job, sits next to a person who specializes in doing business plans mm-hmm. while on the plane. So mm-hmm. that it synchronistically happened, although it seemed to be an accident, but I believe it was not an accident.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I, I really believe that that's true. And so
2: are there other internal references that uh, people can use to sort of know that they're on the right path? That's one of the questions I get a lot about authenticity is, well, how do
3: I know that this is the real deal? Um, I th- do you? Well, I think, sorry for interrupting. No, okay. I think it's definitely sort of a feeling or a knowing and then watching how things unfold and lead us toward the next thing. For instance, there's a young man that I know that was best friends with someone he was in school with. They were in junior high and high school together and they he really cared about her but she didn't have the same kind she didn't see the relationship in the same way it was only friendship. They went through college and then one night he was ready to take a risk about wanting to find out if they can eventually have more of a relationship not just a friendship. And when he decided to take the risk, it happened that his, the woman's sister really encouraged him. He did, and it worked out really well, and they are now engaged. But the, one way he knew he was in the right path, I guess, first of all, was she said yes and she was interested, but also the families were very interested. They had seen for 10 years that this couple should be together.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So when he decides to propose to her, once he gets permission from the parents, he goes to have the ring made, and they say three months. It ends up being three days that the ring is ready. Mm. Even before they get married, they find a house within a week. They find the means to get the house. So that's it. He was listening to what he really wanted, and things seemed to open up. Now, will things always flow as perfectly for the couple? You know, probably they'll have their challenges like every couple does. And other things will challenge him, but yet this instance, he was really on the right path. He was listening to his heart's desire. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And that thing about desire, you know,
2: is I think just major. It's Mm -hmm. major. I think so many times we have been taught to put desire on the back burner and take care of the essentials of survival, but just, you know, worry about desire later. It's kind of the do your homework now and play later thing. We got all grown up. But, you know, I just think tapping into real authentic desire, those really longings, those passions, are just so important for for manifesting what we really are here for, to fulfill ourselves.
3: I agree, and that is how we're happy too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because I think the real intuition is about what benefits us the most, but also those around us, our loved ones, even the planet. Look at the things that have been created on this planet that, is, that do help everyone as a result of someone's passion and desire. Mm-hmm.
4: Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it, I, I think that
2: the most loving gift we can give to the people that we love is to be who we are. Yes. So that, you know, they can also bounce off of that and, and, uh,
3: and say, well, you know, they're being real with me. Well, maybe I can be real back.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it
3: opens doors. And sometimes that's a rare thing. Mm-hmm. I think more and more we're wanting that and we're wanting to take the risk. And pro- possibly that's kind of an evolution that's taken place in our consciousness now, mainstream, who we are as a world culture. Mm-hmm. So I think we're starting to really want that. Yeah, I think it, it may be have
2: to do with uh, us getting to a place where survival is not the biggest issue that maybe we're wanting to live more than just survive. And we look around and see other people are still surviving and we want to help lift everyone else to that level of
3: moving beyond just survival
2: and move more toward
3: real living. Yes, and I think a lot of people, too, are wanting to grow spiritually and feel this stronger connection to their higher self, to God, to whatever name people use for that source. Mm -hmm. That's part of it as well. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. So, if you had someone who would was to come into uh, life coaching with you and and um, didn't really believe in a higher power, mm-hmm. uh, how do you work with that kind of individual? Who, you know, where that's not the
3: issue, but they still have want some life coaching. Well, we can certainly put it in the terms that are most comfortable for him or her. You know, I might use the intuition, and that might even be too much of a spiritual term for someone. So I'll say. Okay, but what about your gut reactions, your hunches? So we certainly can find a way to look at what's going on in his or her life without it having to be a particular way. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes I have done that, but mostly because my desire is to grow spiritually, to connect more with that higher power, higher self. And that's usually the kind of person that I draw in. But if I don't, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. I've certainly been on book tours, with people who were atheists who had to take me around <laughs> to talk about meditation. So we had interesting lunchtime conversations.
4: Yeah, I bet, I bet.
3: Yeah, and I, I, I,
2: you know, I find very often that two things happen when, and, and this is just a little bit of an aside, but two things happen when, uh, when people say that they're atheists. One is that it's not so much that they don't believe in God, it's that they don't believe in that God. Mm, a point. particular kind of God that mm-hmm. they've been raised to believe in. And the other thing is, if they don't believe in a God at all, I often find them to be uniquely spiritual people. Oh,
4: amazing. amazing.
2: Yes, um, that they're really in touch with that deeper aspect of themselves where mm-hmm. they connect on a soul level, I would call it, they might not call it that, but they really are connected to other people and themselves in a really uniquely spiritual way. hmm so I find that to be an amazing capacity that we don't have to call it God necessarily to, to really be connected.
3: It really is about semantics sometimes too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Absolutely, absolutely.
3: Well, I know that you've also been
2: able to make some other dreams of yours come true in terms of being the executive producer of
3: the uh, movie, The Celestine Prophecy. How was that for you? <laughs> you know, that was one of the most fun things we have ever done as a couple it was really a joy to watch the, the book, The Celestine Prophecy, come to life before our eyes every day while we were on the movie set. You know, that's not to say we didn't have challenges and didn't have to organize certain things, and maybe we wish we could have done certain things differently, but overall it was just such an exciting experience. And I remember my parents coming onto the set and saying, we have never seen you this happy. And it was just that whole, I even loved the sound of the camera. It was just, it was just a really positive, I liked the people, and there weren't as many ego clashes as we thought there could have been. So it was, I would have to say positive, and we loved the film, and um, boy, I hope to get to do it again one day. Oh, I hope you do. That I mean, what you're
2: saying is that you were just really involved in that moment, and it sounds mm-hmm. like you were even so involved that, the sounds of the camera and you know <laughs> other sensations really uh, attra- were attractive and uh, peace giving to you. So that's mm-hmm. real, real powerful. Definitely, I really, really enjoyed it. So, and the creative aspect that's
3: that's a real important part of the production aspect. How did you tap into that piece? We had some really good people around us. Who, of course, James did a screenplay, but we had people who knew how to get a message across, because many of them had done several films, although this, this was the first thing for James and I to do besides some television things. A lot of it was new. We were learning the language. We were learning the rhythm. So fortunately, there were people who understood how to make things work, like the visual effects people. Many of the actors, you know, had done so many other things that they knew how to take a script and translate it into personality. Mm -hmm. So thank goodness for experienced people. Yeah, really, really. So it was a real learning curve for you, too, I'm sure. Definitely. I would say every day it was something new that I had to learn and discover. Mm -hmm. And the people in this industry are so smart. I just didn't realize Mm -hmm. they really are. Wow. Well, you
2: know, that learning curve is what growth is all about and something that we're sometimes intimidated by
3: as well. Yes, and yet it is a part of life, isn't it? Yes, it is. It and absolutely it keeps is. growing and learning. It just is a part of life. Yep. And so we're
2: going to talk some more about that after the break. This is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. Mm-hmm.
0: awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
2: Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like... Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how?
0: Just... I don't know. Pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to.
2: Grunt? Yeah, be like... Oh! Uh. Oh! Ugh. There you go.
1: You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.
5: I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust, and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology. A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced, programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit a i h t. Edu. All my love.
1: What can you tell me about Skills USA?
5: Skills USA teaches
3: you employability skills, so you know how to deal with people. You have teamwork. Your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills—the skills of learning how to communicate with
4: people.
1: On the web at SkillsUSA.org.
0: Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network.
2: And we're back with Authentic Living. We're talking today with Sally Redfield on the topic of life coaching and authenticity. And just before the break, we talked a bit about your uh, being the executive producer of uh, the movie, The Celestine Prophecy, and I understand that you are in the process of writing a novel.
3: (laughs) I am. I just finished the first draft, and it's one of those things that I felt propelled to do. I had to do it. And now that it's out on paper, or actually I haven't printed it out yet, but now that it's in one continuous storyline, you know, I I get to look at it and say, okay, this is pretty bad. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) with six or seven drafts, maybe it's something that I could let someone look at, and maybe eventually it will become something in the world. But then again, if it does not, I know that it's something I had to do I had to get it out. So we'll see. It's a mystery right now, and it's kind of fun. I'm I'm hoping that it will make it to paper, but it may not. Oh, I hope it does, too. It sounds so exciting,
2: though, (laughs) to be able to just sit with that and and let it grow out of you. That's what I think of when I think of uh, a novel.
4: Mm, I like that
2: analogy, yes. Yeah, so so that it sounds like maybe just the creativity of the of producing the movie started those
3: creative juices working, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> okay. exactly. And ideally, you know, there may be a screenplay or something one day, but I'm so devoted to my clients that we'll see. I'm just in the mystery like everybody else. What will it be? What's next? How do I grow? How do I deepen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that
2: being in the mystery is one of those things that, Another one of those things that we seem to have trouble with, that uh, uh, living in the moment of uncertainty and just going, well, I don't know, and
3: that being okay.
4: Yes, and Mm
3: -hmm. just trusting that there's higher power guiding us. Mm -hmm. And then being okay in the creative chaos, because it's almost like the birthing process. Things can get a little messy before they finally resolve and there's a child. So it's the same way with anything. Moving into a new office, there are boxes everywhere. You know, starting a new career their concerns. So, it is that creative chaos.
4: Mhm, mhm.
2: Yeah, and that—that that if we're not willing to sort of step into the unknown just a little bit, sometimes we don't grow.
4: Mm-mm. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Wow. Well, that's exciting. I want to hear. I want to hear all about it. <laughs> I want to know when it comes out. So, keep me in touch with that. Okay. Well, and so the Global Prayer Project. Um, yeah. This is you—you you co-founded this with uh, your husband, James Redfield—and I want to hear about that and how it started and what what you're doing with that now.
3: Well, a few years ago, when we had wrapped on the movie, we really loved that connection with people that we had, and we thought, how can we put this into our daily lives more? Because we no longer live in California, although we did move out there only we kind of went back and forth. How do we create that sense of community that we had? And we decided, all right, let's do some kind of every other Tuesday night prayer, once every couple weeks prayer. And we did choose Tuesday night. And people can call in to a bridge line and then listen in and participate in the prayer. So it slowly grew from, I don't know, a group of a couple of hundred to eventually thousands to where we were finally streaming live on the Internet so people didn't have to call in and place that long-distance call. But, of course, it's free except for the charge of the call, your, your regular phone services. So it just became something really large, and there are people who've been with us from the beginning, and they've certainly taken ownership, and they send peop- new people in. And we also have a prayer request space on our website, com, and it's just this project that has a life of its own, and I just show up every Tuesday night and just wait to see what I'm supposed to do. Wow. Wow.
2: And, And can you give some examples of how you've seen the prayer project make a difference?
3: Well, I certainly hear from people, like I'm sure you do too as well, that participating in the group has really helped them have a little bit more faith in the world and faith in themselves. And maybe faith that things can shift over time. I've also heard people say, you know, I thought I was the only person on this planet who was wanting to grow spiritually in this way. And participating in the call and just sending energy out as a group into the world has made me feel a larger part of community. And then one more thing that I hear a lot is that Because we do come together as a group and send out this prayer energy, we're always about uplifting the world, uplifting the beauty of the world. So people will say, you know, I've lived here for 20 years and I never really saw, you know, people this way or trees this way or the sunsets have definitely been enriched for me over the last two years. And it's, you know, they say it's from just participating in the prayer project, Mm -hmm. seeing beauty in a new way. Right, so it's a little bit like meditating
2: that you sort of open up your conscious experience to something different and you then begin to experience your own vision differently.
3: Yes, and what we do is we come together for two prayers. The first one is really about sending out gentle healing energy to the planet and we always focus upon the oceans, the seas and then we focus upon each continent and every person in our vision gets uplifted every pet, every animal, every plant. It's really about sending out this healing energy. And then the second prayer is about how do we move into this circle that we create and just rest in the safety of this group, whether we're grieving or we're in relationship challenges, we're having physical, mental challenges. It's really a time to rest. And some people get ideas or intuitions. Some people just rest, lower their shoulders for the first time for two weeks. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. So it offers healing both to the world and to the person who participates. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. What a great idea. What a powerful um, gift to give to the world. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad you guys are doing that. You know... There's been some research done on the power of prayer. I know that you've probably checked into some of that. I've been mm-hmm. impressed with some of the stuff that I've read as well about how they've done actual scientific studies about people that were being prayed for without knowing they were being prayed for when they were in the hospital and how those that were prayed for were um, got speedier recoveries and those who were not in the control group uh, were did not get a speedier recovery Um Have you seen that kind of thing as well, where it's sort of
3: documentable? I have. I have. I've certainly seen that. And sometimes on the forum on our website, people write about that in the prayer request area. They'll say, being a part of this has really made a difference in my life. I was able to find a job. I was able to do this or that. So, yes. and. There's something that I always share with people, and it's a prayer out of Stephen Levine's book, Healing Into Life and Death. And he has this meditation where he asks the reader to think or say to themselves, may I dwell in the heart, may I be free from suffering, may I be healed, and may I be at peace. And I always end the second prayer with that, and have people think about that. You know, may I dwell in the heart. You know, what does that really mean? That's the authentic living that you really represent. And Mm -hmm. May I be healed, and may I be at peace. May I be free from suffering. You know, what is that suffering? Is it a physical thing? Is it a mental thing? And everybody takes away from that, I think, what's most relevant to them. And yes, ultimately it will show up in a subtle way, sometimes a big way in their lives mm-hmm. I really love that That was that's a beautiful
2: um, meditation to consider you know that whole idea of um, being in heart as a part of the authentic uh, nature is also profoundly related to peace and lack of suffering as I see it as well because mm-hmm. you're once you start living in heart, you begin to lift up above your own suffering, and you begin to access your own peace. And as you've seen, your joy, yeah. and uh, and so that it is there. There is a sort of coalescence there in that wholeness that we find when we really do start living from something much more real, much more deeply profound in ourselves than from that just urgent,
3: almost compulsive need to just stay alive. And also I think we tap into what healing means to each of us or free from that suffering. I, I'm, a friend of mine lost her husband to brain cancer, which you can imagine was very difficult for her. And she would say to me, when he died, he was healed. He didn't get well. He didn't get physically better. But he was healed. Everything he came to do, the relationships he needed to heal, were healed. And I thought, what a powerful way to accept who we are and where we are. You know, healing will look very different to me than someone else.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, you know, um, next week on the show we're going to be talking to Raymond Moody about near-death di- experiences, and I, I think that that whole concept is one about death, that we we see it as the end, as the Almost the failed life that the life is over now. It's it's you know, and I almost see it as completion. It's like yeah. that's when that's when we're finished and we've done what we came here to do. Mm-hmm. And those are really big differences in terms of how whether or not we're afraid of death, whether or not you know. So in, in your practice with life coaching, uh, does that factor in?
3: Does the shortness of life factor into people's
2: <laughs>
4: Definitely. decisions? Definitely.
3: Definitely. And, of course, as you can imagine, I always see it with people over 40 having that conversation more than people under 40 unless they have just lost someone very close to them. But I do think that as we mature through life, we look at death in a different way. And I love the way that Raymond talks about you know life after death it's very comforting to think that okay it's almost like we're just closing a book or putting the period at the end of the sentence for this chapter Mm -hmm. and then moving into the endless or you know whatever's next for us beyond the physical body
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: so it makes a big difference in terms
2: of how people are going to view the rest of their life yes i agree okay you're listening to authentic living Mm -hmm with Andrea Matthews and we're talking today with Sally Redfield and we'll be back in just a moment
0: taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond 7th Wave Network
5: I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance to expect guidance to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, AIHT, it was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand. And it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks.
0: But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense.
5: How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm -hmm.
0: Learning starts long before school does and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple everyday moments like sorting laundry or playing on the beach and turn them into learning moments.
5: Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh,
3: no, no, it's
0: not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. (laughs) Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network.
2: And we're back with Authentic Living, and I'm Andrea Matthews. We're talking today with Sally Redfield on the subject of life coaching and authenticity. Sally, I want to get back a little bit more to the typical life coaching session.
3: Mm -hmm. Can you give us an example of how that might go? Sure. It generally starts with getting to know a person and finding out what this person is dissatisfied about his life, what he's needing to change, what area and then we begin to really hone in on what he really, really wants. And I know I keep saying that, but that's so important, I think, is understanding what we want. And and a lot of times, too, people say, I don't know what I want. I just know I want something different. Mm-hmm. And that's when we begin to really play with the idea of what did you want as a child? If there were no obstacles, what would you be? Or let's just pretend you do know what you want and what would that be. So we work to unveil that and understand it greater and then move forward from there? Is it somebody just is so unhappy with their lives, but it turns out to be how messy her house is? So then we begin to say, okay, how do we break it down to get this house organized? Does family need to come in? Do you need someone, a personal organizer? Do you need to take a few days off? And, And just see and be practical. Maybe it's 20 minutes a night or 10 minutes a weekend. We just work with who the person is and what her greatest need is.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. So part of it is really just um, helping them see their obstacles in a sort of breakdown fashion that makes them more surmountable. Yes, exactly. We just put it in little bite-sized
3: pieces so that everybody feels like they're accomplishing something. And as a coach, I get coached regularly, and that's the same thing that my coach and I do together Let's break it down into little chunks and how do we move forward. And, and yeah, there's sometimes I would love some little magic, you know. <laughs> I'd love for it all just to happen. Mm-hmm. But mm, pretty much it's just one step at a time.
2: Mm-hmm. And accountability. I noticed on your website, sallyredfield.com, that you, that you talk about accountability. Yeah. I'll, I'll, can you say something to our listeners about accountability?
3: I think it's really being responsible for our own lives, realizing that no one's going to rescue us. And we might be surprised how many people later in life still think that or believe that, but it's about really being responsible for our own happiness, our own connection with God, and our own financial way in the world. And this Let me just talk a little bit more about the connection with God because that's so important to me. It's being open, first of all, to those intuitions or those small, still voices that come so that we know we are connected. You know, some people dream of angels. Some people I've heard see angels. I've not had that experience, but there's certainly people that, you know, very solid individuals who've had that. People have had near-death experiences, that have really shown them the afterlife. So it's it's about being open to those, and that's what I mean spiritually accountable. You know, I'm going to do the best, the right thing, as I was educated in a certain way to understand the golden rule and all that, or the the Ten Commandments, and then I'm going to be open to for God to show me what's next or reveal more of who I am and why I'm here.
4: hmm
2: Okay, so there's a real spiritual exploration that not only can help the person uh, establish what they want to do in their life, but also to, to really come
3: become more acquainted with their own soul and their own essential spirituality.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I'm finding more and more people want to know their own spirituality. All age ranges, too, which is exciting for me to see a child or to see even a teenager, a young adult, really want to understand that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's I just I love that. It gives me hope for the world. Absolutely. And it you know the whole idea of
2: that is it's it makes a person going back to that accountability. It does say, okay, what is that truth to me? Not just what did I get taught, yeah. but what is that truth to me? What is what is spirituality, God, Allah, whatever to me? And uh, that makes it much more
3: personal and much more real. And also, how has it evolved over the years? How did you view God as a child and as a teenager and adult and then accepting that there is an evolution to that image? Some people may always look at it the way they learned as a child and that relationship can deepen Mm -hmm. in meaning and then some people shift their focus too.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a good point. Very good point. And so if a person is accountable for their life, yeah. uh, how does, I, I, I think so many of our, our listeners might make this equation, and I'm not sure, but I want to put this out on the table. How does a person be able to be
3: accountable for their life without self-blame? Mm, boy, that's a really good one. That's a good one. I think it was Marianne Williamson who said something about how when the, things that come up in our minds keep running over and over again. Let's say we said something ridiculous or we did something that was inappropriate. She said, if I remember correctly, that once you get it and you learn from it, then you can let it go and say, okay, I won't do that again. I have learned this way. But it's more the ego that keeps us looped in, oh, God, still thinking about it over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, learning what we can from the things that we've done and then doing the best to do them better or to teach our children how maybe to do it a different way, assuming they're open, because any parent knows that children are individuals who are going to do what they feel called to do as well. Right, right. So did that answer that, or do I need to say a little more about that?
2: Well, uh, yeah, I think you did answer it. I think what what I hear you saying is that you're, that accountability is the responsibility to learn from whatever, whether it's a mistake, something we regret, or, you know, something very
3: promising and positive. I also think to let ourselves off the hook once we've learned what we can from it and as much as possible to laugh about it and to realize that everybody makes mistakes. You know, it's no excuse, but everybody does and then to just lighten up about it a little bit, which mm-hmm. gets back to that whole concept of joy and happiness.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, why be here if it's going to be miserable all the time and we're going to be guilt-ridden all the time? That's not my philosophy. I know some people adhere to that. I don't. Mm-hmm.
2: So. You know, one of the phrases that has helped me uh, in the Christian Bible and the New Testament is, all things work for good to those who love him. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that that phrase is so potent and powerful when I think about my own mistakes that I can just sort of use that as a mantra and go, okay, well, all things work for good, even my
3: mistakes. Oh, nice.
2: That's nice. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I think that that really has been true. I can, like anyone else, can look back at my mistakes and go, oh, geez, what do I do that for? <laughs> but but the truth is that I did it, and I, I have to own that I did it. There there was probably some excuse in my head or a reason in my head for why I did it, but I did it. Yeah. And so now what do I learn from that? And that's what I think you're saying as well. Yeah, definitely. It's a good philosophy, too. hmm Well, you can learn more about Sally Redfield at sallyredfield.com and learn more about... Um, her work there as well. Uh, Please feel free to access her website and get more information about her. And it's S-A-L-L-E, Redfield. Thank you. Thank you, (laughs) Thank you very much. And thank you so much for being on the show. We have so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you
3: so much. I really, really enjoyed it, too.
2: Okay. This is Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We'll be back next week, as I said, to talk with Raymond Moody. Tune in again, then.